It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Okay, everybody, welcome to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone here. Listen, we have got guests on hold. I want to give you a long introduction. I will just tell you, we have guests from the All Black Television Network, a new sitcom called A La Carte. We have one of the contestants from NBC's new hit show, American Song Contest. And we have a very talented independent filmmaker and director. So we've got people on hold. Let's get to the show right now. Okay, let's get the show on the road here. So how many of you out there are fans of NBC's brand new hit show? Yes, we can call it a hit show. It premiered uh, last month, American Song Contest. Have you seen that show? Hosted by Kelly Clarkson and Snoop Dogg. We kind of know those two. Well, anyway, the show is it's really cool. If you like those, those talent competition type shows, those big talent shows on TV, this one is for you if you have not seen it. Uh, gosh, it's just it, the show represents uh, talent from 50 states, five U.S. territories, including Washington, D.C., and they're competing to become the top songwriter performer. And it's all based on who you vote for. Okay, so the show has now narrowed down starting Monday, May 9th, the show has narrowed down to the grand finals, the top 10 are left. And one of those top 10 contestants is our guest who will be joining us in about 30 seconds, the beautiful, the talented very talented singer-songwriter Tanel, and she's a, a Grammy Award-nominated, Billboard-charted artist, and people just fell in love with her uh, during the competition for her original uh, song that she wrote called Full Circle, and she is honored, very honored to represent American Samoa, which is obviously her family is her family roots are Samoan, and she is just so proud to represent her family and her heritage. And so she is joining us right now in 10 seconds to tell us more about what's going to happen with her Monday night and just what she, what is she doing for the rest of the weekend. So let's bring on Tanel right now. Right. One second. All right, I believe we're all on. Okay, hello, Tanel. Good afternoon. Hi, Janice. How are you? Good afternoon. I am wonderful. I'm just wonderful. So, 
my goodness, I, I just need to just start by asking, what has your day been like and what, what has this week been like for you? You know, it has been amazing, honestly. The team here at NBC is amazing to to the workers that are working with us day to day, the PA teams, the, my PR team, like everyone has been amazing. I think I've created a bond with everyone. We're pretty much family now. Mm-hmm. And you know, every day is pretty crazy, you know what I mean? But you know what's so awesome is my life was crazy before this. So I'm used to a little crazy. I, I actually enjoy it. I love um, working tirelessly for the goals that I have. Um, that I have in my heart to do. And um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm just stoked. You're stoked. Okay. So, all right. What's it been like when I mean, you're representing your state? I, I mean, I know that's a big burden. I won't say burden, but it's a big job to carry. So yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. It's a big job. So uh, have people been, you know, giving you tips about how, how, to, how best to deal with all of this newfound fame? You know, um, yeah, for one, it definitely is, um, it's not a burden, it's more of a privilege, and so with it being such a heavy privilege on my shoulders, I carry it with pride, you know? I walk out every day just proud to be Polynesian, and, you know, with us being the only territory that made it through to the top ten, it makes it all the more that... I know that what we're doing and everything that I am doing is all of God and from God. He gets all the glory, you know. And so with me being faith-based, that's the reason why I'm here. That's the reason why I have this opportunity. That's the reason why I have a mission to win this competition. That is just the reason why I wake up every morning, you know, and I am I have more energy, you know, in the morning, not even knowing where that energy came from because I should be exhausted by now. You know, Um, but I am honestly and very, um, just very honestly, I'm just, I'm just so honored. I'm honored to represent Polynesia on this huge platform because we don't get these opportunities. You know, we're from a small island, the smallest actually in population in the top 10. We're the smallest population in the all of 56 contestants, you know. And so for me to be in the top 10 now, I always knew that we were going to make it here. I manifested this. I prayed about it. I fasted about it. And God brought me right here for for me to be a force to be recognized. Because it's not about me. It's about us, you know. It's about me relating, this little island girl relating to the entire world, you know. And so, Yeah. Well, wow. I know that was a small question, and I kind of just rambled on, but yeah. <laughs> it's okay, but it's okay. So what is your strategy? Can you share a little bit with us? What is your strategy for the rest of the competition? You know, honestly, it's just staying grounded. It's staying grounded, staying focused, um, staying prepared up. You know, that's, that's definitely first. Um, and, you know, staying in my word, you know, I, I'm very, very faith, faith-based. And honestly, my life has always been pretty crazy. You know, just my upbringing has been crazy. Single mom, single dad, um, African-American mom, someone, father, that's second generation here. So nothing was ever handed to me. And I love it that way because I work hard for every single thing that I 
has. And that's the beauty of it. You know, I don't want it handed to me. I want to work for it because then I'm able to appreciate it. And I'm able to tell the next generation that nothing gets handed to you. Nothing's for free. For some people it is, but for me it never was, you know. And, hey, more power to them for it to get handed to them because that would be nice, you know. But I wouldn't want it any other way, you know. And so preparing for this show is really just remembering how far I've come, remembering where I come from, remembering my family, and then just doing it in honoring um, God and all that I do because he's the one that showers the blessings all over me. And, you know, everyone talks about this light that I have when I walk around. And when I say hello, there'll be a stranger in the corner of the room, and I'll make that stranger feel comfortable, you know. I never like people feeling less than. I love to talk I love to call people out that that feel higher than. That's one of my favorite things to do. And, you know, I, I just love to make people feel a sense of relating, you know. That, you know, whether your skin complexion, whether your nationality, whether your religion, whether your upbringing, whether your background, whether your, um, whether anything you've gone through in your life, all of us are one and the same. You know what I mean? No one is greater than anyone. But with this competition, I'm winning this competition for my island. And, you know, we don't get these kind of opportunities. And that's why I'm very passionate. I've been manifesting it. I believe it. And, you know, whatever God intense for me after this is what I've been really praying about, you know, the opportunities that this will come with. Well, now, um, as we all know that you have deep roots as far as music and singing and such as that, but what are you going to do this weekend? What is your weekend going to be like this weekend? Um, this weekend, I actually will be Saturday. I will be in the Bay Area. Um, because I have a, it's called Mayday in Hawaii. So I'm a part-time Hawaii resident. And so I do a lot of um, nonprofit events for just the, the, the cities. You know, um, I'm one for the next generation. That's like definitely a passion of mine. And I have a nonprofit of my own um, named Mana Entertainment, Fortune Entertainment. And so it's up and coming and up and running. And we're still planting the seeds in every city, state, and island right now. And so, you know, I, I will be um, doing a lot of that this weekend, some youth work, some charity work, and all that good stuff because I just have a passion for the less fortunate and just for those that um, don't have the necessary things that we do here in California. And so we'll be doing that, giving some love and aloha in, um, in the Bay Area this weekend, and then I'll be right back Saturday night to prep for Sunday's rehearsal. Wow, a busy weekend indeed. Well, my last question is this one. After you are the winner, because you said you have manifested this win, so after you are the official winner, what will you be doing? What is the first thing that you will do to celebrate and all of this kind of great stuff? Oh, my gosh. I'm probably going to scream hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to scream at the top of my lungs until my voice is gone. Hallelujah. And I'm definitely going to cry. That's the first thing I'm going to do. Those are the first things I'm going to do. And um, I'm going to hug my family. You know, I'm going to hug them. And I'm most likely going to get on um, all my social media so that all of the Melanesian, Micronesian, and Polynesians around the world can see that we did it. And we came together as one. And we won this together because it's never me. It's always us. And, you know, the beautiful thing is, you know, I have 
I have thousands of emails of of, um, of family members and friends that are trying, people I don't know actually too, that are trying to help me hang flyers all over the cities and states, you know. One thing about us Polynesians, we're spread out everywhere, you know. You may not know that we're all Polynesian or Melanesian or Micronesian, but we're spread out everywhere. And um I have people in Tennessee, Texas, Indiana, like all over the world in places I've never even never even been yet that are posting flyers all in their cities, at their churches, at their gyms, at their restaurants, at the gas stations, on the gas pumps, you know? And so just the output of love I've been giving, I just want to give that back. So um, I'm winning this for us, you know? I'm winning this for um, the ones that are not noticed, you know? Like I said, we're the smallest island, but we're making the biggest waves and this is something that I'm, I'm bringing back home to the island okay and how can people vote for you oh they can vote for me by going to the NBC app NBC.com and my TikTok which or uh, American Song Contest TikTok uh, those are three ways but if you want an easy accessible way you can visit TanelleMusic.com and all of the voting um, will be right there in the front screen all right. Well, Miss Tanell, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. I uh, asked you a couple of questions about last week when it was about like a group interview, and you're so much energy. You have so much talent. It's just wish nothing but the best for you. I have a feeling you're going to win. I really believe you. I believe you. <laughs> Well, let's we got let's win this. So yeah, until then, I'll be getting on all socials. And yes. Being myself and just getting people pumped towards, you know, winning and this victory that's ahead of us. And so we're, I'm excited. I'm excited for yet, what's yet to come after this. And I had a meeting with uh, Kelly Clarkson um, or an interview with her yesterday. And she's like, Tanel, you, first of all, you're coming on my show. Second of all, you deserve to be on big stages and in front of the television. Oh, wow. You need your own show. And I'm like, sis, Kelly. You better say that because that is definitely that is definitely always been a passion of mine. I don't only do music. I don't only write music. I love to do everything and anything that I can. And we're here for a short time. We're here for we're not here for a long time, but we are here for a good time. And so I intend to have a good time every single day of my life. And yeah, just all positive vibes, you know, everything that positive every single day, that's for sure. But, you know, I always love to see the good in, in the day or good in the negative, you know. And so thank you so much for having me and allowing me to share my testimony. And yeah, just I just really know that we're going to win this. I believe you. I'm a firm believer, for sure. Well, I will be cheering you on, Ms. Tanel, so we will see it all go down next week. And thank you for allowing us to chat with you. And uh, safe travels over the weekend. And we'll see you on TV, on NBC next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And you have a blessed evening and a great weekend. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone will be right back after this. Okay, let's get things rolling here. Um, for those of you out there, including myself, who have various uh, streaming television packages and such, uh, lots of new independent television networks that are a part of these packages, which is very good because it gives us a variety of uh, different programming, independent films and television shows and such to 
view. And that includes uh, this channel called the All A-L-L-B-L-K channel, which is a part of so many different uh, streaming uh, packages from Roku to... Um, Gosh, it's just all of the top streaming ones, all of them, all of them. Uh, if you have this channel as a part of your package, then I want to bring this to your attention. Our guest will be calling us in about a minute. Uh, there is a new show on the All Black Network, All BLK Network, to cut it down short. That's the official spelling anyway. So this new show is called A La Carte, and it's a new original series that will be premiering on May 12th on the All Black uh, te Television Network channel. So in just about 30, 40 seconds, we'll, we'll be joined by the lead cast members, Pauline Dyer, Courtney Burrell, Jesse Wu, Kendall Kendall, I love how he spells his name, K-E-N-D-A-L-L-K-Y-N-D-A-L-L, -L -L, and also actress Janet Nolan. And like I said, this is a, a all-new original uh, dramedy series. Again, it's called A La Carte, and it is centered around uh, this group of friends. They're Black millennials, and it's all about their dating experiences and how one member of the group, um, her journey in particular, as she is just kind of going through life being a, a young, good-looking millennial, and then all kinds of interesting things happen. I don't want to give away too much, but the cast will be joining us in about 40, no, no, 25 seconds here. Uh, let me tell you really fast that the All Black uh, Channel library includes exclusive original series such as House Divided, Double Cross, uh, a lot of must-see independent films, uh, nostalgic Black cinema films, uh, popular uh, Wii TV original shows, uh, different stage plays. It's just a lot. So if you have it as a part of your streaming television lineup, it's A-L-L-B-L-K, the short title uh, spelling for it. It's available everywhere on different streaming services across the world, across the land. So, okay, got the green light and the cast of the All Black Network's latest new original series, A La Carte, which will be again premiering on May 12th. They are ready and I'm going to click them on and bring them in right now. Let's go. Well, hello, cast members. How is everybody doing? Good. Okay. All right. So uh, everybody sounds like they're so excited and happy here. I take that's a good sign as well. <laughs> so, all right. So tell everybody uh, who wants to take this, uh, what is the coolest thing about watching this show as a viewer? Because I know you've, you've, you're actors and actresses, but as a viewer, you're also a viewers. What's the coolest thing about viewing this show? Hmm. You know what? I mean, for me, it's my first acting job, so it's just cool. Like, it's cool seeing me do this for the first time. Uh, it's cool, you know, seeing me get into character, but also if you follow me online, like, you will see sprinkles of who I really am. Okay. And so well, how, do, how do we follow you online? Oh, uh, the Jesse Wu everywhere. So T-H-E Jesse W-O-O -O, everywhere. 
Okay, great. Got yeah. it. <laughs> it. Okay, so uh, everything, the, the big showdown, the big premiere, uh, uh, May 12th is next week. So uh, will anybody be doing any live tweeting or live Facebooking, live TikToking, any of that? I think all of us are probably going to live tweet or Instagram stuff, etc. Because um, I think we want to really just like connect with the audience and have that engagement with uh, the fans and everybody. So I think all of us, at least I will, I will be, I want to see everybody's reactions. Everybody's like gasps and oh my God, did she just do that? Did he just do that? So yeah, I think we all will. Does anybody, uh, any of your characters, does your character resonate with your real life away from the cameras in any way? Or, Or maybe somebody that you know? I think definitely for all of us, um, at some at some point in the show, and um, some parts of our our characters resonate with us. Um, especially for me, I speak for myself. I am my dad's only child, and me and my dad are very close. Rain is very close with his dad. Um, yeah, and I wasn't a trust fund kid, but you know, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Me too. I wish I had the money that Rain had, but you know, I had a little bit. But no, um, definitely. And just with millennial dating all around, all of us are going, we have our own um, problems that we're going through. And when people watch this, they'll be able to tap in and be able to relate to, if not everybody, at least one of us. Ah, that's good to know because I have, I'm not quite a millennial, but in my head, I think that I am. And so I can relate. <laughs> I will find a way to relate uh, to these characters, but it's, it seems like a very fun show. Uh, so have, have any of you worked together before on projects or is this everybody's uh, first time working together? This is, uh, go ahead, Kendall. Oh, I'm sorry. Jesse has been on my um, talk show, Social Society, that's um, also on All Black. She's been on there twice. So Jesse and I worked together before, but everybody else, this was our first time meeting, and we just clicked. Uh-huh. Yeah, we had a really yeah. good with each other. Like, day one, we all really just synced together. There was a lot of laughs, a lot of jokes, even on set and off set. And we all get on the phone now and talk to each other. So this show brought us really together. Okay, so uh, I, I know in talking with different cast members uh, after the show, and sometimes they end up still being friends for many years to come. Do you you see that kind of camaraderie with you you guys? Oh, definitely. We do it now. Oh, okay. <laughs> we do it now. We were just on Facetime yesterday. Uh, we got on today. We when we had the screening at um, the Pan African Film Festival, we all hung out. I think. It's safe to say that we're we will be lifetime friends. <laughs> oh my, yeah. that is so. Yeah, cool definitely. We definitely all get along really well. So that is so cool to hear. So very good to hear. So okay, um, this show just looks at the you know all of you look so fantastic and your oh your hair your makeup your wardrobe is just to to just you know kill a squirrel for. I don't want to hear from the animal rights people on that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it was just one, a fake squirrel, a stuffed squirrel. So I was just wondering, uh, with everybody looking so good for this show, uh, I know you have stylists and all of that, but do do did the stylists work with your own individual taste, or did they just base it on the characters, or did you have any input in what, how your character dressed and looked and all that? 
thing was interesting. Oh, okay. <laughs> because the thing is, like, um, you know, we did the show very quickly. Uh-huh. So styling had to come up with our stuff very quickly. There were some hits and misses. So some of us did have to end up, like, bringing our own clothes. Like, I know for me, I started to bring my own clothes because, um, yeah, like, things were just thrown at every at the styling um, department very quickly. So, yeah. But I feel that in bringing our own clothes, we were able to give our characters their look. So now, like, for the next season, prayerfully, we do get one. It will be easier for them to, you know, like, envision what our characters will wear. Okay. That yeah, I, I was able to uh, recommend a couple showrooms um, in L.A. So for me, because I'm very long and some of the clothes in the malls, does they do not fit me. So I was yeah. able to do that. So I, I'll say I have my hand in it. And then even I do it, it don't matter what show I go on, I always have to see the clothes. And I'm usually given, um, like, hey, I think I should wear this with this, or I need to do this because the way my body's set up. <laughs> so I'm always hands-on when it comes to wardrobe for me. Okay, that's good to know some backstory there. And and finally here, um, for each of you, your 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 personal your personal your characters. Is there something about the character's personality that you especially like or especially don't like? Hmm. I think I like a little bit about everybody's character's personality, and there's always something you're not going to like. Um, I'm Pauline Dyer, and I play Mahogany Rose, uh, and the show kind of just centers on her dating life, but at the same time, you get to still see her professional life. She's trying to climb in the fashion industry, and she's being a little tormented by her boss, so y'all get to see um, that interesting dynamic of being young and trying to come into your own in the workforce, uh, and then um, I'm surrounded by several friends. One is Shira. Shira is played by Jenna Nolan, who is um, more conservative more reserved and she's in a very fun interesting relationship with a character named Rodney played by Mike Merrill which um, they do a great job they have amazing chemistry and uh, then there is Misha played by Jesse Wu and Misha's character I think a lot of people are going to love her she represents a lot that um, people are going to see coming because she plays a teacher and I think we have a certain ideal of teachers, or we just don't know our teachers' personal lives growing up. So um, you're going to get to see a little more of what's behind a teacher's lifestyle. And then Kendall Kendall, he plays Rain, who is the voice of reason for our friend group. Um, and he's a black lawyer. Um, the character's very strong. And you also get to see what's going on in his personal life as he's dealing with his financial struggles that he didn't know about at first. Ah. And um I will say you'll also get a hint of the parent dynamic in all of our lives. We all mention a little something about our parents and it impacts kind of how we view dating and how we view expectations. And I, I really, I really love personally the character Kendall plays. He plays Rain and him and his father have a beautiful scene that people are going to get to see in the season. Um, it's, it's just a great scene between two black men without um, judgment of one black man on another about his sexuality because Rain does represent a very uh, large community of people who are underrepresented in film and television. Okay. And lastly, my last couple of minutes here, um, what, where, 
Can you recall, each one of you, can you recall exactly where you were and what you were doing when you got the word that you had received and officially received the part for this new show? I was taking a shower. Oh. And, <laughs> and I got out of the shower and my manager was calling me because I was waiting for this call like all day. And um, my manager called me and said, are you busy? I was like, no, I just hopped out of the shower. And she's like, oh, well, how's my series regular doing? And I was like, what? And I just I just freaked out. So it was, it was a great moment. Okay. That'd be I think I was at the vet. <laughs> I was at the vet with my dog. And I got a text from my manager because she knew I was at the vet and she couldn't hold it. And, um, yeah, I was excited as well because we were going through so many rounds of chemistry tests yeah. with different people. And I was hoping that um, – Jenna was one of them because I didn't get a chance to go through one with Pauline and Jesse came at the tail end. So I was just hoping that Jenna would be there. So I was excited with my fingers crossed that Jenna would be my, one of my uh, friends. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. So, yeah, I mean, I um, I was the last one casted other than Courtney. Courtney got the part eight hours prior to being oh. on set. But um, I got the part probably like a week before we started filming. And uh, yeah, like I just, I was really excited. This is my first acting role. So I was really excited. Okay, so. We- I think I got the phone call like less than 24 hours after my 100th chemistry read. <laughs> <laughs> um, which um, was very close to production. They were they were really working hard to find the right blend of chemistry and they worked all the way up till about about time of us filming. And um, my love interest was cast eight hours before he had to be on set. Um, so Courtney Burrell, he showed up and showed out, which I know the audience yeah. loved to get to know his character, Caleb. Um, and uh, he is he's handsome in the show, so okay. ladies tune in. Okay, <laughs> you, you, you got me right there. Anybody else? We got everybody? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I keep saying that lastly, because before they cut me off here. Now, uh, will there be a big viewing party among you guys, your cast members, at a particular place in L.A. or surrounding areas or what? We're trying to make that happen. Everyone's kind of displaced at the moment. Um, but we're probably going to, like, you know, if, if we can't, like, group chat about it and instagram about it you know you'll definitely see a a big social presence um when the show does air on may 12th okay okay so i was hoping if i was going to be in la i could go drop by but you guys Uh. (laughs) kind of crash there but that's okay That's okay. Well, anyway, I want to thank all of you cast members from All Black's new sitcom, A La Carte. Uh, You guys look great. You sound great. Your hair and your wardrobe. Now I see why it looks so great because you had a personal hand in all of this. So uh, that's so way cool. So we will be tuning in on May 12th to uh, look at all the, well, I've cheated and seen it already, but for the rest of the listeners (laughs) out there, they can see it and see what we've been talking about. It's a fun show and you guys did an absolutely phenomenal job. So thank you so much for chatting. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank okay. You. All right, then. Take care. We'll see you on the 12th. Okay. Uh, okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
Okay, thank you, uh, cast members from a la carte. They're just so cute. Uh, but anyway, let's get to our final guest here on this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. I have been really looking forward to speaking to this director and filmmaker. His name is Andy Valentine, and he has a new film short titled The Letter Men. And this film will be making its world premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival next month, June 8th through the 19th. You can go to their website to see exactly what date uh, The Letterman will be premiering. But anyway, this is a very unique and fascinating film. It is based on a true story. It is based on the real love letters that were written by soldiers Gordon Bauscher to his sweetheart, Gilbert Bradley. And these are love letters that were exchanged between the two gentlemen between the years of 1938 and 1941, but they weren't uncovered and discovered until 2017. Really interesting story as to how Andy, uh, got his hands on these letters. So we're going to, I don't want to give away too much because I want Andy, of course, to share with us all the backstory. So let's bring Andy on right now to give us more details about his new film, The Letterman, again, that will be premiering on uh, at the Tribeca Film Festival next month. So this is going to be so much. Uh, my curiosity is just, uh, how did he get these letters? And I understand it was over 200 of them. So let's find out more from Andy right now. Andy well, good afternoon, Andy Valentine. What a pleasure it is to begin our chat. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm very good. I just, uh, I saw your film, The Letterman, and it is such a moving, compassionate film. It's just it does its job. As a filmmaker, director, you have done your job with this uh, film. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Now, I understand that uh, this film is based on a true story, and it was selected mm -hmm. by the Tribeca Film Festival. It uh, had a world premiere as there. So... Tell us, because I want, I, I always like to ask the filmmakers to give their synopsis in their own words. So tell us more about The Letterman. Sure. So I came across, uh, long story, came across a BBC article a few years ago about the discovery of the largest collection of gay love letters uh, sent between two soldiers. Uh, from the 19, 1939 to 1941. Um, it was over 200 letters. Uh, super fascinated by this as a gay filmmaker. You know, I, I want to tell uh, LGBTQ stories. So I reached out to Mark, uh, who owns the letters. Uh, he's a, like a small town museum curator, uh, like two hours north of London. Uh, went over, uh, met Mark, met Mark and his family, and, and won the option. Um, to tell their story. So that kind of set off the process of spending two years of uh, doing research about LGBTQ plus rights during that time. And then also just kind of uh, looking and reading all of the letters and like figuring out, you know, how, what is the best story to tell? Um, you know, there's so much uh, detail in all of these letters um, that Gordon sent to Gilbert. Um, so was, you know, uh, last year I, you know, I had been in the process of, of working on a bigger film uh, slash TV series for Gilbert Gordon, and, and I was like, you know what, I just want to, like, make a short film 
that's like a little proof of concept, um, you know, that really gets across my vision and how I would tell Gilbert and Gordon's story. So that's kind of how the short, The Letterman, came to be, um, you know, and, and the exciting part about the short, at least in my eyes, is that, you know, uh, the story tells, uh, you, if, when you watch the film, you know, you'll hear a letter, um, you know, that was written by uh, Gordon Boucher. Um, and those are his actual real words that he had said that he wrote, you know, during that time. You know, I did take a little bit of creative liberty and, like, pull different pieces from different letters um, just to kind of make a, a cohesive narrative, but those are his words. So, yeah. Just a fascinating story. Now, the gentleman who had possession of the letters, Mark, is he a family member or, or what? No, he actually, it's like an incredible story as well, how he kind of discovered them. So he's like a small town museum curator. So it's kind of like a local museum. Um, and so he just was one day just browsing eBay. And on eBay, he typed in his town, on West Street. And this letter came up. Um, one of the letters came up. And so he bought it because he thought, oh, it might be fun. It was sent from a, a soldier during World War II. It might be fun to display in the museum. Um, and as, you know, time went on, more letters started popping up on eBay. So he kept buying them. And then I think after his, like, 15th letter, he realized something was different and that, that, you know, this letter that he was reading was written from one man to another. Um, and so that's when he reached out to the person selling the letters and bought all of them. Um, the, how the letters came to be on eBay is that, you know, uh, Gilbert, um, which uh, kept the letters, um, throughout his entire life. So he kept these letters, Gilbert Bradley, until when he passed away, um, he, uh, somebody came in and like kind of went through his things and, and sold off some of his things. So it kind of got, the letters got passed like a military reseller that got put up on eBay. So. Okay. Well, now, are there any uh, family members of either Gordon or Gilbert that you met or consulted with, or how did that go? I know that um, Mark has talked to a couple cousins of Gilbert's um, in the past. And when I went out to my second trip to the UK, this is about like a year and a half after I had originally optioned the rights, um, I went out with my husband and then I also brought my mom. Uh, we went out and kind of dug through all of the letters and took, took photocopies of them. And I got to meet uh, one of Gilbert's friends. Um, so I get to learn uh, a little bit more about Gilbert and, and what kind of uh, man he was and, and, you know, really kind of just like think about, you know, how wild it was that, you know, the fact that their relationship, it went from, you know, 1938 when they met and they, they uh, broke up in 1941, you know, but the fact that, you know, Gilbert kept these 200 love letters, you know, from his sweetheart, you know, it, it really was amazing. Obviously he still, you know, was, in love with him, but still had love for, for sure. Gordon. So. Now, I'm assuming this was for World War, during World War Two. Yep. Okay, okay. Just fascinating. I am so fascinated by certain aspects of history. Right. And um, anyway, to see this. So, okay, uh, without revealing, of course, too much, 
what can you just give us some, some uh, the listeners as an example of just what what you know these two of course they were in love but I mean were they just talking about everyday occurrences in their lives or just what were some of the letters about you know it was about the the struggles of the time um, and, and what they both were experiencing you know we we only have the letters that Gordon sent uh, to Gilbert. So we have 200 letters that Gordon wrote to Gilbert. So we don't have any of the responses that Gilbert sent back to Gordon, but we do But throughout the letters, you can kind of decipher, you know, because they would send like a letter a week or a letter, you know, two letters a week. So you could kind of see what they were talking about, you know, because they would respond, you know, Gordon would respond to questions from Gilbert's previous letter. Um, you know, we, you know, Gilbert entered uh, the British Army first, so he kind of went off first. Um, and Gordon ended up uh, helping Gilbert's family. So Gordon moved in with uh, Gilbert's parents um, and helped his family during the war. So in the first, you know, year and a half, two years of the their relationship, you know, Gilbert was in the military and Gordon was uh, at home um, living with Gilbert's family. So you kind of got to hear about his life and, and what was it like, uh, you know, living with his family and helping take care of Gilbert's family. And then also, like, what was very interesting is just, like, hearing about, you know, queer culture during that time. Um, and while, you know, at, at that specific time, if, you know, it was very much, you know, a, a, a no-no to be, you know, queer or gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was something you kind of kept close to the chest. Um, but there were things that, like, because the war was happening, queer culture kind of thrived because everybody was looking a different way. So in London, there were gay bars, there were drag queens, you know, they, were, they would put on drag shows. Um, and we got to hear in the letters uh, all about Gordon's experiences going to them. Um, you know, there were a couple crazy, uh, what, and specifically one of the um, letters, you know, talked about Gordon leaving a bar with his friends and it was during when the blitz was happening and he had to run and take shelter in a subway tunnel. Um, and so that kind of drew the inspiration um, for, you know, visually in the film, we see uh, Gordon writing this letter to Gilbert. And we got that from, you know, knowing that that was a true thing that actually happened to him, that he had to, you know, run down into a subway station and he would write letters down there waiting for the, you know, the Nazi planes to, to finish bombing and fly away or be destroyed. How dangerous, uh, not only it being at a wartime, uh, but also just, you know, being in the, in the, you know, gay culture. So in your research, what would have happened since both of these gentlemen were in the military? What if what would have happened to them as far as the military is concerned if they had uh, if their secret had been, been uh, discovered? Um, you know, obviously, it, it, it was it. it was different for each person, you know, but there are experiences, you know, that people share about, you know, whether or not they were, you know, beaten, beaten by people, if they were, you know, their sexuality was discovered, if they were imprisoned, you know, tortured, or just kicked out of the military. So, you know, it was very much, it was a strange time. Um, you know, obviously this, this, this event, this World War II was happening, you know, so people weren't as focused on, you know, uh, the morality, you could say, in the moment, because they needed the labor, they needed the men 
to go out and fight the Nazis. Um, but it was it was very much you know something that you just you did not talk about. So um, and then obviously uh, a little bit after the war uh, is when the UK specifically really clamped down on gay culture, and that's when they you know passed a law that criminalized it. Um, and you know for a hundred percent, you know if you were discovered to be uh, gay, you would be imprisoned. Very scary times indeed. My goodness. Well, are there any uh, 200 letters? Did any of them contain uh, any pictures of, of uh, Gilbert or Gordon? We do, So we have one picture of Gilbert um, from that time. And after hours and hours of looking, I have not found a picture of Gordon. Oh. I know. Yeah. Still, still time to look. It's been, you know, it definitely... Uh, Gilbert, after the, the two of them kind of parted ways, you know, they were in this relationship for a few years and they parted ways as the war went on. Um, you know, Gilbert stayed in the UK um, and, you know, speaking with his friend, I was able to kind of get a little bit of an understanding of like how his life kind of unfolded. And Gordon remains a little bit more of a mystery. He, um, we know that after the war, he did come to America. Uh, he came to Los Angeles and was a horse trainer. Um, but that's kind of all we know so far. So, um, believe me, that's all, that has been on the to-do list to try to figure out, you know, uh, what more happened to, to Gordon and try to find that photo. This story is just begging for a sequel or something. Is is it planned or, or, or a series or, or what? Well, you know, the, the short told the story of one letter. You know, we have 200 letters and we also have, you know, countless, um, you know, uh, uh, other these experiences that these these men had during that time, you know, it can definitely be brought out and, and created something bigger um, with it. So hopefully, um, you know, with with the excitement around the film and the fact that it's, you know, having its world premiere at Tribeca in June, that, you know, we'll be able to kind of take it to the next level and, you know, try to make a feature film or a series, you know, based on the letters. I really hope so. I As I've told my listeners before, I love watching film shorts that leave me on the edge of my seat begging for yeah. a sequel and this is again yeah. one of those those films i can see this as a multi-series you know hulu netflix any of those right. guys right so yeah. i i just know that you're going to have a great showing at tribeca um plans of any other major film festivals throughout the world yet or, or what not yet i mean it was a. Uh, it was very much we you know, found out about Tribeca, um, you know, a few months ago. And then uh, from there, the hope is to kind of start premiering it elsewhere after Tribeca. So definitely uh, be on the lookout for it, uh, premiering at um, other festivals um, in uh, the rest of this year and early next year. Absolutely. Well, Andy, you just looking at some of your body of work, it's just amazing you have done content i understand it's been viewed by over one billion times yes. oh my yes. god what a number uh well tell us about i understand that you and your husband are working on uh is it called the mattachine family yes the mattachine family yeah. okay tell us about that project yeah so that's uh, a feature film that i am uh, in post-production for right now that i directed in the fall and my husband's uh, and my creative partner, uh, Danny Valentine wrote. Um, it is produced by Zach Braff, um, and it stars Nico Tortorella from Younger, 
and Juan Pablo de Pache from Fuller House and Emily Hampshire from Schitt's Creek. Um, it's a it's a really beautiful indie feature about um, a, a gay couple's journey to become parents. And so, you know, we really wanted to kind of examine, um, you know, LGBTQ plus people and their families. And, you know, some of us are very fortunate that after we, you know, come out and and uh, our families accept us, accept us for who we are. But a lot of times, you know, families don't do that. So, you know, we really have to create chosen families. Um, you know, our friends become our families. Um, you know, so this film kind of explores that theme. And then also, what does it mean, you know, for a, a gay couple to want to become parents? How do they do that? How do they go through that process? Um, you know, this is, that film is, is very much a, uh, personal story. My husband and I actually, we, after one month after wrapping the movie, we welcomed our daughter, uh, Florence, um, who is now, uh, she's five months old, almost five months old. Um, so it's been a very fun uh, time the last few months doing posts for the movie and then also just, you know, spending as much time as I can with my daughter. Oh, how sweet. Oh my gosh. She's going to be getting into those crawling months and (laughs) pulling down everything. (laughs) I know. Oh, I know. Oh, it's it's, it's coming. Oh yeah. But I sounds like you two are just can't wait and welcoming all of that. So that's great. So congratulations on that. Thanks. Very yeah, so that so. that was a fully independent film. So mm-hmm. you know that's also uh, like on a similar path to um, Letterman, where you know we'll be aiming to premiere it at uh, film festivals either in the fall or next year. Uh, going back to the Letterman, are there any plans to show it over in the small town over in England with uh, where Mark lives, or, or have you gotten to that point yet? Oh, there, there is. Yeah, actually, I have a email from Mark that I got this morning about doing that. So oh, wow. um, I know we wanted to kind of have our, our world premiere first, and then, you know, we wanted to be able to go back and, and show the town of Oswestry. Street. Um, you know, who really the town of Oswestry Street was incredible. When I went out there, you know, I, I had an opportunity. You know, I was, of course, the, the filmmaker from L.A. with um, the... the of the town and the, and the town council, um, you know, because these letters were a big discovery for them. Yes. Um, you know, the fact that their town, you know, this Oshawa, I should clarify, was was a, one of the places that Gilbert was stationed, so that he was there for, you know, a year and a half of, of the letters mm-hmm. um, exchanging back and forth. So um, definitely in trying to make it back to set up a little uh, showing at the theater in Oshawa Street um, in, the, in the coming months. Well, it sounds like they really rolled out the red carpet for you in that little town. That's, that's so they cool. Did. Yeah, it was nice. Uh-huh. I, I will say I'm not a tough place to make it. You know, I'm not uh-huh. definitely a, a small fish at the moment. But it was nice to head over to the UK and, and uh, um, you know, meet all of those people who were just excited that, you know, there was somebody who saw the potential in Gilbert and Gordon, you know, and, and saw that, you know, it was something that, um, you know, Gordon writes himself, you know, in one of the letters that, you know, he hopes that, uh, he goes, I think he says, um, wouldn't it be wonderful, you know, if all the world could uh, hear and or read our letters one day, mm-hmm. um, and then they'll know how much in love we are with each other. So, uh, you know, I'm really following that motto from what Gordon said. Oh, my goodness. He actually wrote that, and now it has come to yep. pass. Oh, yep. 
Andy. That is so. That just touches my know, heart. It's, it's so crazy. It's, it's an incredible story. Oh, how beautiful. Oh, my goodness. So That's so touching. Yeah. Well, okay. Lastly, um, website, social media handles as to how people can get more information about the Letterman and just follow the success and the track record of it. Yeah, um, absolutely. You can follow me on Instagram. Uh, at Andy Valentine, uh, and I have two L's, V-A-L-L-E-N-T-I-N-E in my name. Okay. Um, I will be posting all the latest information about The Letterman. Also, we have a website, uh, thelettermanfilm.com, um, which has our teaser trailer up. Um, and then uh, soon, uh, you know, probably in a few months, we'll, we'll, after it's had its festival run, we'll post it online as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations on uh, having a, I mean, what, Thank you. world premiere at Tribeca next month. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So uh, congratulations yeah. on that. So thank you, Andy, so yeah. much for giving us the, the backstory and the making of The Letterman. It's such a beautiful story. And, you know, just the, the film is good, but then the making of, of how, the film came about is even more mm -hmm. beautiful so thank you twice with all this beauty nope. no problem thank you for talking oh absolutely absolutely okay thank you everyone all of our guests all of our listeners we are so out of time we're running over time thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next saturday have a good week bye bye Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. Mm -hmm.